Hi, I'm Adam. I'm Rob. And welcome to Screen Bucket Podcast, episode 12. The Valentine's special. Yes. So when this comes out, it will have already been Valentine's Day. It will already be, yes. But that doesn't mean you can't still be romantic. After all, Valentine's Day was created by corporate nasty men. No, excuse me. It was made by St. Valentine. Yes, but then all of the card people capitalised on it, didn't they? Yes, they did. They, they introduced cards and presents. Yes. And decorations for the house. Ugh. So... In, in many ways, it's no different to Christmas, is it? Yes, but Christmas is lovely. Is it? Yes. But so is Valentine's Day. No. But Christmas, you're not about loving But you can't celebrate people. Christmas all year because you go insane, but you can be romantic all year. But and when you're at Christmas, you're celebrating the love of family. Ugh. Sexy people, family. <sighs> Shush. <laughs> I'm uncharacteristically supportive of Valentine's Day. Yeah, we didn't talk about this. This is weird. You're such an un-Valentine's Day human, yet you love it. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. It's the one day of the year, especially when you're younger, I suppose, when you're encouraged to out yourself. Yeah. I do... <sighs> do you know what I mean? For me, it's always been takeaways and Zelda. <laughs> alright nice, fair enough it? that's nice yeah but it's the one day but I mean maybe I'm focusing too much on when I was school age but even so it's that one day where if, if you tell someone you fancy them it's not weird hmm what is it weird now well if you give a you buy a, you, you know if you're in a situation where cards are being shared they don't ah at the office you're working at now mm-hmm. Because I was working in an office with a very similar business to yours last year. Yeah. And on Valentine's Day, they had a board up with loads of cards. And they like, and it's a massive office. There's loads of people working mm-hmm. there. So there's loads people just walking up to it and reading to see if they'd been mentioned. And everyone swanned up, myself included, like, God, what <laughs> idiots have been writing cards for people. But really you're thinking, I hope someone wrote one for me. Yeah. But, and I assume they didn't. No, they didn't. No one fancied <laughs> the me. Of voice. No one fancied but me. But if they did, what a way to find out? They would never have told you otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is. My work's got loads of stuff going on. Really? They've got, they've got similar. They've got love hearts on a board, but it's not. It's not for that. It's more thank you notes. Right. Again. Yeah, there's a lot of that. That wouldn't happen. They are doing. They are doing a take me out. Really. I mean. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Ugh, no. no. God. <laughs> 30 people volunteered to be in it. Have they got Paddy McGuinness down? They've got someone. No likey, no lighty. Or the uh, other way I around. I don't even know what that reference is. If you don't put the light on, uh, you don't, you're not interested. All right. So the guy will come down, he'll describe himself, he'll do a video, and then other people will put, a vi- like his friend will post a video saying like, oh no, he's rubbish. And then the girls will put, turn the light off if they're not interested. It's only girls with the lights, though, isn't it? Yeah. What's that about? Sexism <laughs> is what it's about. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the show. Yeah, sorry. So we uh, we talked about um, one of my favourite rom-coms, When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, really good film. Classic, classic. And it's before... I feel, it might not be, but it feels like it's before the big wave of rom-coms. So yeah. it's doing its own thing a little bit. Yeah, definitely. 
which I quite like. Yeah, I mean, it comes from like the classical Hollywood era where like every other film was a romantic film of sorts, but it wasn't really a comedy. I mean, you had all your crime films. Your... I mean, you did have a lot of romance, sort of teenage love things in the 80s. I guess Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, well, Sixteen Candles is a bit dodgy, but yeah. Ferris Bueller even. There's that line in Ferris Bueller that always makes me... <laughs> right at the end, he's... Yeah. They he runs off and she says, "I'm going to marry him." Uh, anyway, uh, what else did we discuss? Uh, we go deep into that Liam Neeson business and oh, Fortnite yeah. Schmort night. Um, we talk about. It's uh, possible. Can I just say it's possible you're listening to this in the future, and it's all been forgotten. And I hope that's the case. Yes, or it could have evolved into something much worse. A race war. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we talked about what makes the perfect rom-com yeah um, what is the ideal date movie what's the ideal breakup movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit more about the film we're making yeah Ooh, busy show yeah got you covered on this one cool well enjoy we'll play it now and we'll be back in a bit for some extra chat I've just dropped my pen oh, again again Ugh. Hoist the curtain, dim the lights, roll out the red carpet, and welcome your hosts, Adam and Rob, Scream Bucket! Hello everyone, my name's Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a very special smoochy loving with our Valentine's Day special Scream Bucket. Yeah, prepare yourselves for a saucy romantic night in with your two Ooh. favourite radio hosts. Oh God. If that hasn't made you thrown up already, I don't know what will. That's awful. <laughs> but here we are in our mood lit little corner of the restaurant, a little candle, our mm. bottle of red wine. These lovely red, perfectly folded napkins. Mmm. And some petals, rose petals, just lying around. Weird restaurant. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's weird to theme it after American Beauty, isn't it? It's like a sex restaurant with petals everywhere. It's Ah. making me feel slightly unnerved. So what have we got in store for this week? We have a selection of our favourite hand-picked soundtracks from some of our favourite romantic-ish films. Our film focus of the week is uh, an absolute classic, which I'm sure many of you absolutely adore. Yes, so it's my pick this week. I think if you listened last week, we did reveal it. Yeah, we did, didn't we? It's When Harry Met Sally, 1989. Yeah, and initially, I will say briefly, I was hating the idea of watching it and I came away very, very happy. Yay! It's a great film. Hmm. It's one that I think everyone assumes they've seen or know. Well, I thought Tom Hanks was in it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, it was You've Got Mail or something like that. Oh, yeah, we worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meg Ryan, though. Meg Ryan. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we'll also be talking a little bit more about our current film in progress. Yes, we will. We're going to be going into uh, the very controversial Liam Neeson activity that's been going mm. on lately. Yes, and some other news from the last fortnight as well. Yes. Indeed. Cool. Well, uh, our standard question then. Rob, have you been watching anything? Yes, I have. Good. I'll start off with the Ted Bundy confession tapes. Ooh, very romantic. Yes, indeed. Oh, arguably the most romantic thing you could possibly watch. Not. Um, <laughs> so, 
yeah, it's an absolutely mind-blowing documentary. You get an insight into a man who not only committed these horrible crimes, but was an incredible escape artist who had an uncanny ability of making people trust him. Okay. Who many say is an, a very attractive man. I disagree. I think he looks very sinister, but I think it's 70s good looking. Yeah, I've thought that before because everyone always talks about how good looking he is. He does have a charm to yes. him in that way that he's not he's not your Hollywood actor handsome, is he? He's No, he's normal man, normal old school sort of... Uh, he's someone who draws the eye, I and, guess. Yeah, and he's got a nice trustable face if you didn't know all these horrible things about him yes well that's Um, that's his that's the thing why he's remembered i think but so the documentary it's a series it's not a film yeah i believe it's four parts uh from what i can remember i watched it last week okay um so obviously it it starts off with uh he invites a journalist to do these tapes where he talks about he kind of sidetracks it he doesn't want to talk about the murders because at the point of recording the tapes he's still trying to prove that he's innocent Right. So, parallel to these tapes, there's the story going on. These women who are being murdered, him going around the country, um, being arrested, escaping, uh, escaping again, and after the second attempt, killing more people, the second escape, and then uh, a court case, which is absolutely mind-blowing. So, he he gets fed up of his own defence and decides to represent himself. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about this. And it's very sinister and... Um, they think that if he had actually allowed his lawyers to do their jobs, he might have got some form of bargain in which he'd get in prison for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. He kind of threw himself under the bus. But there's certain scenes, I don't want to spoil it for people, where, I mean, it's very sinister. He's a very sinister man. And there's a big argument going on, I think, still on the internet. People are getting very angry that he's been romanticised. Which he absolutely shouldn't be. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, there's something about Zac Efron being cast in this upcoming film as well. Yes. Because that's what's interesting to me about the documentary, is it's the same director doing that as he is the Zac Efron film that's also in the news. Yes. Which makes it. Does that mean this is his research? He's just turned into another thing? Because that's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. But there's something I noticed in this, and it's also in. uh, Have you heard of Dark Tourist? Well, yes, I have. Dark Tourist is on, on Netflix as well. It's about a chap from New Zealand. I think he goes to different places in the world to places normal tourists wouldn't go. One of the mm. things he does is he goes on a tour of, uh, I think it's Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, And no, okay. the tour is exclusively women. And he asks them, why are you obsessed with Jeffrey Dahmer? And they say, oh, well, we, we would look after him. And in this Ted Bundy documentary, mm. there were loads of women asking to get into the court and people, women writing to him and stuff. So there's this whole thing of, I'm not generalising, but like lots of women who are, I, I don't know what, what the word would be, but they're interested in that's killers. A, that's a famous thing, that all these serial killers getting like marriage proposals and stuff. Yeah, like Charles Manson's in... a prime example, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all these people who... Basically start writing, then start dating, then get married you know, while, while he's in prison. Bundy got married Did afterwards he? To, brand, to someone brand new. I think it was something he might have known before. <laughs> Had a kid. They managed to have sex in prison. And then it's, yes. he's got a... He's got, they get conjugal visits or something. I don't know. I think they had a guard. They mentioned something about a guard who's very kind and like turned the other way. Okay, right, right, right. It just makes me think of monkey dust. 
You've seen that Monkey Dust episode, haven't you? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, Ivan. Yeah, it's Ivan, the meat safe murderer. But he never done it. He only said he done it. Anyway, uh, gets a gets gets a wife, and he's terrified of her. <laughs> she said, "What? Why are you after me?" It's really good. It's really funny. Monkey Dust. Look it up. It's, it's dark and horrible, and it's great. Um. Yes. Sorry. Dark Tourist, though, instantly. I've got a problem with Dark Tourist. What? It's ripped off a book I love. Oh, really? Called The Dark Tourist by oh. Dom Jolly. When Dom Jolly went around the world doing touristy things that no one else was. Oh, that's not nice. And I think Dom Jolly even mentioned it on Twitter that, uh, <laughs> that seems very similar. That is quite similar. I mean, he visits all sorts of places like Chernobyl. He goes to... That's where Dom Jolly went. Yeah, exactly that. He went to uh, where Pablo Escobar used to live. He goes to places like that, dangerous places, talks yeah. to dangerous people. I don't know how dangerous going on a Jeffrey Dahmer tour is, but like that's well, kind of Dom the Jolly thing. did a tour of America in his book. Uh, did the murder tour, so he went to like the hotel where John Lennon was shot and uh, Kennedy and stuff. He also went to North Korea and had to smuggle a memory card out. Jeez. Uh, because a guard came to check his f- camera. Did he, uh, he put it in his bottom? Well, it's heavily suggested, yes. Right. <laughs> um, where else did he go? He went skiing in Iran. I've heard there's really good ski resorts in yeah, Iran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the lanes are segregated. The two slopes of the mountain are segregated. So one's men, one's women. Okay. But at the top, they all mingle. Really? Yeah, because no one goes up there to check. Oh. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and he also meets like, all these middle-class Iranians who have, like, a moonshine company. They all drink wine and stuff. It's, like, amazing, this stuff. Insane. And You I'm... don't hear these stories, do you? No, no. You no, only I'm... hear the um, the negative stuff. I'm worried that, you know, the Netflix series might whitewash it from history. It might just disappear. But, yeah, I highly recommend that. If you can get that on... I think it might be an Audible as well. But if you can get the Dark Toys oh, book... if he narrates anything, Dom Jolly, I will... Get it on my next Audible credit. He's got loads of books on there, mate. Which he narrates? Yeah. Oh, mate. Next. Oh, that's exactly what I'm getting next. I highly recommend Look At Me, Look At Me. Okay. Which is his autobiography-ish. Right. <laughs> it is very funny. Fantastic. Um, there's one film I definitely wanted to mention. Yes. Which is one of the strangest films I've seen in a very long time. Called An Evening with Beverly Luff-Lynn. Mm. So... 2018. Um, I just noticed it was on Netflix. It stars Craig Robinson, Jermaine Clement, Ooh. Matt Berry, yes, and Aubrey Plaza. <sighs> and great cast. It's so bizarre. It's um. <laughs> so the best way I could describe it is Napoleon Dynamite meets Garth Morangi's Dark Place meets what was the other one? It's just it meets Twin Peaks. It's wow. This okay. Strangely shot thing with characters who say very odd things and it's it's the way the characters interact it's like there's this bizarre surreal thing going on the whole time where humanity is not quite right and these people are interacting in this odd way but the premises is Aubrey Plaza's character is waiting for her no she's fed up with her marriage so Aubrey Plaza plays Lulu Danger, who's working at a coffee shop with her husband, Emil Hirsch. Okay. 
Emil Hirsch fires her. She's frustrated about this with the relationship. She's feeling like she's unloved. She's sat at home. And then she sees that her lost love has rolled into town to put on a performance. So he's some sort of musician. Matt Berry is the other musician in this two-piece, <laughs> bizarre, strange Scottish band. Okay. I, I, oh. And <laughs> it involves her taking Jermaine Clement, who was originally hired to shoot off Emil Hirsch's kneecaps, but he's like the worst assassin ever. Right. They have to go to the hotel and because she tells him to, to win back this man's love. I don't know what, because she wants to get away from her husband. Okay. But I, there's no point in describing the plot. There's no point, because it's just strange. And it's so funny. I, yeah, I couldn't recommend it more. And I've just found out, it's directed by Jim Hosking, isn't it? Yes. The director of Greasy Strangler. What's Greasy Strangler? Oh my god. We've run out of time to discuss it now. But we'll come back to that on a future show. Okay. Because you need to watch Greasy Strangler. All right. It's the weirdest film ever made. Fantastic. Good, good, good. Guarantee. Good, good. Anyway. You have one message. Message one. Hello, Sydney. Just calling because I've got a question for you. What's your favourite romantic comedy? I've got a few DVDs. I thought I'd bring them round. I'm on the porch right now. I got some flowers and some chocolates and really I just wanted to apologise for all the stuff and all the dead bodies but can you come and can you come out I'll, I'll just wait here you don't have a boyfriend right I know you don't oh mademoiselle would you like to have a film discussion oh yes monsieur I would love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like that do on screen, bucket. And that was Let's Call the Whole Thing Off by Louis Armstrong, which was in When Harry Met Sally. Yay! Ah, When Harry Met Sally. I love this film. Start off by saying that. It's great. It's very good. So you hadn't seen it? No, I hadn't. No. Was that, was that deliberate or was it just one that hadn't come up? Uh, it hadn't come up. I'm not really big on ro- romantic comedies as it is, like the standard kind. Okay. Um, and I, in my head, squashed it into a thousand other 90s romantic comedies <laughs> with the likes of Tom Hanks and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it is 89, but it has that 90s feel to it. I said to you right early on when we watched it together, um, it's by Castle Rock Entertainment, yes. which is the same production company that Seinfeld at the same sort of time, and they're very similar. So it's interesting, the sort of parallels to them. Lots of sitting around in coffee shops and philosophising and stuff. I like it because it's got something, there's an underlying thing going on. So so what, what is it? What's, what is the thing with When Harry Met Sally? Okay, so starts off in 1977. Um, Harry Burns, played by Billy Crystal, and Sally Albright, played by Meg Ryan. Um, they recently graduated from the University of Chicago, and they go together... They drive together to New York City to start their adult life. And the first time Sally locks eyes on Harry, he's necking with another girl. Her friend, in fact, yeah. Her friend, yeah. And it's all really, like, mushy. Yeah, and she's... Oh, lovely, lovely, please find me. All that stuff. Yes. And she doesn't want any of that. No. Um, She's off to become a journalist. He's off just to start life. I don't think he has a plan. He's sort of a coaster. He has, like, one bag and a baseball bat in the car he's got that look doesn't he? he's he got the grey sort of sports hoodie going on mm. and that timeless look of eh. yeah exactly it, 
you could say that he was probably a bit hipstery, I guess, is the word you could use to describe him at the time. Perhaps, especially with his philosophical approaches to everything. Yeah, so right at the beginning, they're just driving and he's just chewing on grapes and talking about how, well, anything that comes to mind, really. Just spitting the pips out the window. Yeah, and analysing her and saying, I've got you figured out. Absolutely, yeah. And she can't stand that. No, not at all. Um, eventually they get to New York and they're sort of oh he makes a pass at her she says no because he's going out with another girl her friend in fact and they go the separate ways it's not the end of the film though is it no it would have been awful if it was the end of the film I mean it could have been that modern day cinema that could have been a film yeah. just two people in a car and then leave mm. in fact I'll write that now it's <laughs> <laughs> um, so we skip ahead five years they're both in New York City five years later they run into each other again on a plane on an airport, in an airport. In an airport. Harry comes up and spots someone he works with or, or used to live with. And he is necking out with Sally. Necking yes. out? What yeah, words what is, am I using? I don't know. It's turned it's, into someone from the 90s. It's disgusting, isn't it? Making out, <laughs> necking, snogging. I always thought necking was like... Chewing on a neck. Yeah. Is it not that? Is it's it actually like just snogging? Heartily kissing. Sally. Heartily. Passionate. <laughs> wetly kissing. Smooshing lips. Ugh. Yeah, all right. Sally and man, uh, Harry's mate, they're... Joe. Getting off of each other. That's Joe. Nice. Yeah. Like it. And uh, so it's the same sort of thing. Um, they look each other in the eyes. There's a recognition. She recognises him. I don't, I'm not sure if he does recognise her. He does, there's, a, there's a bit at the end there of the conversation. There is a moment. Yeah, there he's is. Like, oh. You're right. And then uh, so that he's... I sat behind her on the plane, makes the guy in front swap so he can sit next to her. Yes. And they have a sort of part two to the first conversation. It's funny, at this point, you you were starting to call the film. Mm. They're going to sit next to you on the plane, aren't they? Uh. Yep. Because it does follow some of the structure of films that have ripped it off, essentially. Yeah. We'll come back to that. So they share a plane, they have a chat, reveals that he's going to get married. He's engaged to get married. And Sally's shocked. Now, did you get the impression that she was annoyed Miffed. or jealous? It's just another reminder to her, isn't it, of the clock? I guess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And pair that to the fact that this is kind of a rival it's become. Because they've got this ongoing dialogue of love and who knows more about it than the other one throughout the whole mm-hmm. film. And then here is this rival in the love competition of life getting one big fat step ahead of her engaged. Yeah, there definitely is a competitive streak, definitely. At the end, Harry suggests they go for dinner as friends, despite the fact that he previously said that men and women can't be friends. Um, and she flat out refuses. Yes. Five years later after that... Um, bookstore. Yes, at the bookstore. Sally has broken up with Joe because she wanted a family. Harry has also... Divorce. Was it a divorce? Was that the divorce one? Yeah. Yeah. Because of the baseball game afterwards, his wife has been having an affair. Yeah, with... what, can I just say, there's a scene when Harry announces to his friend that he's getting a divorce, and it's one of the best. It's very Seinfeldy. So um, they're sitting in the crowd watching a baseball, uh, watching a football game, and the crowd are uh, Mexican waving. Oh yeah. And he's telling his mate he's really depressed. He's got stubble, and he's looking like crap. And he says, you know, oh, she's going to leave me. You know, I followed her, followed her away and she's been seeing someone else and how awful it is. And then sort of half-heartedly joining in on the Mexican wave. It's just silly. It's, very, it's just yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's silly. And it makes me laugh every time. But anyway, yes, they run into the bookstore and 
reveal that they're both single and they go for dinner. Ooh. And that's, that's kind of it, isn't it? It's just a continuous... Well, after that, they become friends, don't they? Yeah, for a long period of the film. And then that's sort of when the sort of infamous orgasm scene takes place is during that time period. <laughs> yeah, so we talk about that scene. Yes. This is the one scene that everyone probably remembers or knows of, even if they haven't seen the film. Yes. So, Harry is saying... I think they have an okay time. How do you know? I mean, how do I know I know? Because they... Yes, because they... How do you know that they're really... What are you saying? That they fake orgasm? It's possible. Get out of here. Why? Most women at one time or another have faked it. Well, they haven't faked it with me. How do you know? Hmm. And then she goes ahead to prove him wrong. Yes. And Can I play the clip, is the question. Probably not. It would just sound like porn. <laughs> Adam was just uh, <coughs> raising his eyebrows at me in a very perverted manner. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, the one of the top lines ever in movie history uttered by an unprofessional actor who's only ever said one line in movie history. I'll have what she's having. That line was suggested by Billy Crystal, and the whole scene was... Were you telling me earlier was... Meg Ryan who suggested that it would be in a restaurant. Oh, right. She had some other input as well. But there was a lot of, like, situations where the director especially listened to what they had their ideas. See, that's really cool. That's really nice. Because there is a personal feeling to it, I think. And I think with this film in particular, by what I've read, it, it seems like it's gone... It's not been like a spare at a moment thing. It seems like in the pre-production, maybe in the writing process, yeah. this has been decided. So maybe there was a kind of a... Well, the film instantly was written by Rob Reiner as well. He directed and wrote it. And he wrote it after having a divorce. Yeah. And there's a lot of him in Billy Crystal. There's a lot of his personal like observations and philosophy about how men and women can't be friends. Hmm. All that sort of stuff. Do you know what I simply love about this movie more than anything else? What's that? The acting. Yeah. It's brilliant. I mean, there are rom-coms that I have seen and I thought, mm. I like the notebook and stuff. It's very hammy. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's all sorts of things like couples retreat and stuff and poorly written. Poor, well, you can't really act with what you've got. But this seemed like Billy Crystal wowed me, when it, especially like some of his monologues and Meg Ryan. But the monologues are exceptional. Fantastic. Like the, yeah. bit, the, mon- well, or the dialogue between... Uh, Harry and Sally on the when they're at the airport and they're going along on that escalator. Mm-hmm. It's one long shot which goes on for ages, and they just act it out so perfectly. And there's um, some great scenes uh, where they split the screen up. Oh yeah! So the phone call scene where you've got Princess Leia, <laughs> strange man with mustache. Yep. Harry and Sally. So basically, Harry and Sally's two best friends hook up with each other on a double date in which the opposite couples are meant to hook up. Right. And then after... Ha- well, this is a spoiler. Well, there, there is a, there's a scene that happens and then they have to... They're on, those two are in two different beds and then they phone up mm. the other two who are in the same bed and have two different conversations at the same well, time about the same thing. It's three different conversations because the couple in the bed are also sharing glances to each other. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're having their own... In- exchanged while talking to it's really clever 60 takes yeah 
Yeah. The other thing I love is throughout the film, dotted in are these little interviews, these sort of vox pops. Oh, of course. With couples. Yeah. Um, most, are they all elderly? Yeah, they're all elderly. Talking about how they got together with their wife, their husband, um, sharing all these different types of like love at first sight or how they worked at it to get together in the end. Yeah, so quite often the journey to marriage is not easy That's, for these people. Absolutely, yeah. And so then it ties in quite nicely at the end. Yeah, it reflects the theme of the film of like this long journey towards getting there. Well, there's you know there's one couple that um, got married, divorced, forty five years later got married again after yeah. he had a history of failed relationships. Was she the one who's kind of bemused by her husband's antics? Her husband's sort of bemused might be a bit generous. She looked yeah. miffed might yes. be the better word. Um, but they're all, I think I'm right in understanding, they were all um, real stories. Wow, really? Portrayed by actors in the film. So oh, you... God, did you remember the woman who just talks over? <laughs> there's, a, there's a man and a woman and they're telling their love story. And yeah. the woman oh, keeps awful. talking over the man who's trying to tell the story. But it's While we're watching diff- it, it was really annoying. Yeah, different things. Yeah, so you the, can't she kept adding out, things on. You can't work out what either of them are and saying. And she just kept saying... She just kept... You know, she kept on saying... She kept on saying things. No, no, she was... But then he, he would say something. Talk, we were trying to listen to him. We were trying him, to listen to what he was actually trying to go on. And she just keeps adding things on. She just wouldn't stop adding things on. Until the end, yeah, when they got together... They finally stopped. And they said the same thing. We managed to carry on with the film. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how annoying that would be to listen to. Really, really annoying, I imagine. Um... Cat's Deli is the famous place where when Harry met Sally. You've been there, haven't you? I have. I love it there. Honestly, this is bad radio, but the, the sandwich was this big. Wow. And, the and mi- it's the size of an open hand, by the way. And the meat was this big. Oh, wow. It was just... How to describe it? Um, what was it? Was there cheeses and stuff in there? Was it juicy well, and slimy? And Yeah, so I had... I don't know why slimy is a good thing in a sandwich, but God. Oh, I don't know. It kind of is. But I did ask for pickles on the side, right? right? So I had a big salami and whatever New York deli sort of sandwich with about three inches of meat Ooh. in the middle. Um, but I did ask for pickles, thinking I'll just put them in the, a couple in the thing. You know, like a, like a Big Mac. Yeah, like, like a Big Mac. You know a Big Mac? Yeah, you put chips in them and then you eat them. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, when you no, open, you, you don't put chips in them. Yeah, you know when you open up the Big Mac and you layer the fries on... In, no, in no, the no, only a sociopath does that. No. Anyway, <laughs> they have like two slices of it. That's what I thought it was going to do. No, no, a big plate of pickles. Wow. And they're enormous. Anyway, sidetracked. They like- <laughs> there's a big old sign where Harry met Sally. Hope you had what she had. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's become one of the go-to films for New York things, I think. In fact, I think the reason I watched... The last time I watched it was because I was going to New York. It was like one of those films you have to watch. It's... I mean, it's set a trend for... I mean, the culture it represents is quite, like, successful. Um, What would you say? Like, cosmopolitan kind of... Inner city types. <clears throat> yeah, they're not they're not poor, are they? They're not poor. Whereas now, yeah, it's kind of representing an upper class. Whereas you go to um, 
romantic comedies in recent years and it's kind of more the hipsters there's a lot of Zoe Deschanel like yeah. people with fringes and colourful clothes who run coffee shops and then a guy who's very different to them all but it's know. funny I say that this was parallel to Seinfeld because after Seinfeld sitcoms went younger as well and hmm. wonder if that's the parallel that sort of New York well Friends has quite got a lot well, of well that's what times, I mean isn't it? Friends almost followed Seinfeld almost directly but they were younger and more right. hip and trendy hmm. and I wonder if that then became what people aspire to in New York so the New York rom com thing I might be giving yeah. it too much credit but that seems to follow no, I know but still Friends was still very much focused on the people who would like buy Vogue and very into fashion and all of that sort of thing yeah and it's I, it wasn't until later where it swooped into this more like we're going to try and be alternative thing it starts off when they were quite young and poor, though. Yeah. By the end, they were quite rich. So it almost went full circle. Because mm. in this, what's I think you said it as well. This is a film where 30, 40-somethings yes. are settling down. Yes. Whereas rom-coms now are 20-somethings, if not yes. 18. So, yeah. You know, I think bloody Twilight or something. They're, what, she's 16? How old is she in that? She's from in school. Oh, I don't know, mate. So, when Harry met Sally... Great film. Uh, if you're kind of on the fence about romantic comedies, this is one which will absolutely push you over in the right, right way, I think. Well, this is what we were saying, what I sort of mentioned earlier. You were starting to predict it, and later on you were trying to predict it. Then it went off the rails a bit. Yeah, and I couldn't. It has its own story it's telling. Yes. It's not formulaic. Like There is still the run at the end, which is annoying. Yeah. But anyway, it's a great film, and it's. I think it's funny... You don't have to be loved up to enjoy it. Absolutely. You could be cynical and hateful as well. So it's kind of perfect. Exactly. And uh, you can watch it by purchasing it on Amazon Prime, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. It's not on Netflix. And I don't know if you could get it on the television, but that's your best bet. I actually found it was cheaper to buy it on Amazon than to get the DVD, which is interesting. Mm. Sort of sign of it being popular, I guess. So let's play A Kiss from a Rose from Seal. That was in the film Batman Forever. Adam's Film Reviews. Alita. Battle Angel. 2019. You told me the story of the war. When the ground shook and the sky burned. Of the ones that survived. Who awoke to a different world. Where the powerful prey on the weak. But that's not the way it has to be. When I found you, your very human brain was miraculously intact. It's the loneliest feeling not to know who you are. In time, you'll remember. I remember black skies, the lightning all around me. Alita is new here. It's a harsh world down here. You gotta be willing to do what it takes. Directed by Robert Rodriguez and written and produced by underwater smurf fancier James Cameron, Alita Battle Angel is an action cyberpunk film based on the manga of the same name, Ish. Originally announced way back in 2003, Alita Battle Angel has weaved its way through development hell and back, and finally, it's here! Set in the year 2563, Alita Battle Angel introduces us to Dr. Dyson Edo played by Christoph Waltz, 
a cyborg scientist eking out a living in the junkyard metropolis of Iron City, the last remaining scrap of civilization in the shadow of a vast, floating city, a relic from the days before the fall, a cataclysmic event that wipes out most of the population of Earth. Whilst scavenging in the junkyard, Dr. Edo discovers the remains of a cyborg female, who is somehow still alive. After a lengthy round of surgery, the cyborg wakes up in a new body and is shortly christened Alita. Portrayed somehow by Rosa Salazar, Alita enters this new world like a wide-eyed child. Soon she meets teenage heartthrob Hugo, played by Kean Johnson, who introduces her to the world of motorball, a sort of gladiatorial combat sport vaguely reminiscent of rollerball. But things aren't Also peachy, young women have been murdered on the streets of Iron City and cyborg hunter warriors prowl the streets, but just who or what has been committing these murders and why do cyborgs keep having their limbs stolen? Who is Alita anyway? Where did she come from? Should any of us care? Why is everything CGI? Did they run out of actors? Should anyone care? Do I care? No. Knowing James Cameron's Avatar background, you'll be forgiven for thinking that Alita Battle Angel was entirely his baby. It's true, he has been all over the marketing and indeed is the reason why the project began in the first place, but it's really hard to see what kind of impression Robert Rodriguez really had on the project. Like Avatar, Alita Battle Angel feels like it's trying to impress me the whole time. Huge sweeping vistas of animated shapes and lights, of vaguely human shapes moving around on the screen. I'm sure it looks impressive, but everything looks impressive these days. Without a story, without characters to care about, Alita Battle Angel was, frankly, boring. It wasn't offensively bad by any means, but forgive me for wanting a little more to sink my teeth into than a big-eyed, computer-generated mannequin running around. Ed Screen's role as a cyborg bounty hunter was at least partially interesting, and he definitely raised the energy in the room whenever he was on screen. Sadly, the same can't be said for Christoph Waltz, who was criminally underused in this film. And the same can be said for Junkie XL on the mostly forgettable soundtrack, which is a sentence I never expected to use. Don't fall for the shiny graphics. There isn't anything here. Even Ghost in the Shell had some themes to latch onto. My recommendation is to save your money. Screen Bucket on NoFat FM. Beep Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. And we've got a bit of a controversial one this week. I think we want to remind people that we are two humble radio hosts. Don't judge us too accordingly. We're just speaking our minds. Yes, we are sharing in the collective. What's the word? Um, network? I don't know. Echo chamber? That's not an echo chamber. We have our we have our opinions and we're going to share them because we have a microphone. Yes. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. And if you want your own microphone, North Hearts FM are looking for presenters to shout us down. Yes. <laughs> so go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start with the, the big one, which is Liam Neeson. <laughs> so it's been a very, very controversial few weeks for him. 
Uh, so, for those who don't know, he admitted that he had around 30 years ago uh, discovered his friend had been raped by a black person and wanted to go and seek revenge. And by the sound of the interview, it didn't even matter if it was the black person who did it he'd find, he just wanted a black man to start on him and he could kill him. And he said he was walking around the streets with a kosh, which is like a little club. Mm-hmm. Very um, old school. Yeah. So an awful, awful thing to admit to. Uh, there were some choice of words that he, he said that he had said at the time that did not soften the story at all. Um, and since then, people were rallying to boycott his movie. They're already planning to boycott the next Men in Black film that he's in, unless he's removed. And uh, social media is ripping him to, to shreds, really. Yes. There is context behind the interview, though, isn't there? Uh, the context of it was, what well, I think why he was going into revenge is because of the film Cold Pursuit, which is coming out is very much based on revenge. So he decided, he. I, I don't know why really, well, he's just been honest, I suppose, he went into this sort of uh, past, what, what his experience was with revenge, and that was the reason he told the story. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that he volunteered it, he wasn't coaxed into it. I did have, I saw, I think when it all sort of kicked off, the journalist who was doing the interview was on Twitter, sort of just giving a bit of context around it. Yeah. Because there were... Some question over was it edited to make him look bad? I don't think it was. No, you can hear the entire clip mm. without editing by the, by the look of it. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was fa- found out about him either. So he's come forward about this information himself. This is the kind of thing that some people were saying. So Piers Morgan. <sighs> yeah, it's making my skin crawl just reading. He said, I saw him actually saying this on the TV. He said, if you're a black person in Britain, in America, anywhere in the world this is about as offensive as it gets. And I think that's such a slimy remark because it sounded to me like, don't worry, black people of the world, I'm one of the good guys, now end this man's career. And he wants he wants to encourage Neeson's downfall in order to appear as like a voice of the people, as a voice of equality. Mm-hmm. That's the charade he's putting on. It's just, I don't like it, it makes me uncomfortable. Yes, indeed. But this is a constant thing with, with the modern trend with stuff like this, is that... You can't change. No. If you're something, you're that thing forever. Terry Crews elaborated on this. On the 5th, he tweeted, I believe that every person on Earth is capable of the greatest good or unspeakable evil. Liam is just describing his fork in the road. That's it. And I would like to quote John Barnes from this side of the pond, saying, "To to To get at the root cause, we must have open, honest, and sometimes painful conversations. This must involve allowing people who have held biased views in the past to be heard without fear or recrimination. It's surely a chance for us all to return. That's, yeah, that's it, isn't it? You need to have the conversation. We can't just say that nothing bad has ever happened and now we live in a lovely utopia. But we do have to address these things to actually move forward. Yeah, definitely. You know, like... I don't have the luxury of being able to speak through the minds of all the races of the world like our dear Piers does. Mm-hmm. But I, so I can't really comment on how offensive this would be to hear for someone, um, what Liam Neeson has said. But I do believe anyone should have a chance and an opportunity to change their ways. Hate their past selves if they used to be bad. Use it to become the opposite. Like, how on earth can anyone learn anything about what the more evil cultures of this world is like if you can't listen to people who have escaped them? That's very important. Because people who might be going into these situations where they might become this kind of evil or 
turn into these kind of bad people, be it like the KKK or neo-Nazis or whatever, to have someone who was there and describe to them why it's bad and how they escaped. I mean, I'm sure thousands of people have escaped as a result of being influenced by people like this from going through down a really dark path. So you can't shut these people up who've escaped from being bad people in the past, I don't think. Mm. I'm sure like there's probably things we're missing out. but Well, of course, it's worth bearing in mind as well that we are recording this ahead of time. Something else may have happened. Yes. And I'm sure it has. But at this current time, it's just worth bearing in mind that people can change and people who admit their mistakes might be worth... Just listening to. Just listening to. And understanding where they came from and why they're different now. Yeah. If Liam Neeson had ended up killing someone, then maybe it would be a different conversation. Well, here's the question. But would he have killed someone if he found someone? You know, there's all, there's all these maybes. That's a grey area. Let's imagine someone is currently doing what he admitted to do all those years ago. Right? What if someone right now is out there trying to hurt someone for whatever reason? And what if they hear that this guy changed and then they stop doing it? Mm, Yeah. Well, as a result of hearing the story? Yeah. He goes, well, if he can change, I didn't think I could. I thought I was stuck down this alleyway. Maybe I could pick myself up as well. Yes. Eh? Yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought. Anyway, is that everything you've got for that one? Uh, that's everything I got for that one. Um, big loss, um, which everyone probably would have heard of by now in the movie world. Um, an absolute legend of British cinema, Albert Finney, has passed away at the age of 82. Um, a lot of people, especially after Christmas, might have seen him as Scrooge. Mm. Um, he was my favourite Scrooge. Um, my mum loved him in Murder at the Orient Express. What was he in recently? He was in Skyfall. Skyfall, he played the groundskeeper. Yep. Um, he's just one of those faces that has always seemed to have been around. Yeah. That's not old enough, is it? It isn't anymore. Do you don't not, not think anymore? No. Everyone's getting well old these days. 90s. That's where everyone should live to, at least, I think. Joe Rogan. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how he thinks he's spoken to a lot of experts, and then not so far away they'll have the ability to have people living healthy lives until about 300 <laughs> and oh god if science can keep progressing if we don't destroy ourselves if we don't destroy science's pro- progression that's what we can achieve we need to be we need to get off this planet if we're going to do that yeah because that's going to be real problems we just no one would be able to move you just have to eat people as you well, walk past them exactly the, that's when the war will begin yeah anyway speaking of space Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's been confirmed that it is happening from a few people, including Chris Pratt on the Lego Movie 2 red carpet. Um, And Sean Gunn as well. And Sean Gunn as well. uh, Sean Gunn? Sean Gunn. Is that a relation to James Gunn? Yeah, it's his brother. Is he going to direct? What's he doing? No, no, he's, he's one of the actors. Okay. He plays in Guardians of the Galaxy... I can't think of his name, but he's one of the lieutenants, pirate lieutenant people. But Merle from Walking Dead, blue guy, is it? Yeah, yes, right. yeah, yeah. Here's a thing. So, the entire Guardians of the Galaxy cast, we're just talking about uh, James Gunn being uh, Disney shooting him mm-hmm, off of it. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, this, the only thing I can compare this to is 
So all of the actors are adamant that he comes back, right? Well, Is they it... signed a letter, didn't they? Urging, asking, pleading, yeah, begging it... Disney to reconsider. It seems to me like it, this happens in football. Um, when so maybe a really popular manager will get offed by... <laughs> not off. <laughs> he'll get sacked. He'll he'll get sacked by the people in charge. Yeah, and then yeah. he'll get a new manager in who's not as popular and the players don't play for him. Mm, sounds so, like wrestling when you say it like that. Well, it is. It's, it's like, are they going to get... Are they going to give a the same 100% that they would give to James Gunn? Or are they going to keep professional? I don't know. What the gist I've read in looking at this is that they have to get the third one done. Yes. And after that, a decision will be made. Right, okay. I think that's the point that halfway that's through the, a story, they just need to finish it. Putting some sort of carrot on some sort of stick. And yeah. Getting them through that the loopholes to make the film. But of course, James Gunn's now on the other side, isn't he? Oh, he's moved over to DC. Yeah, Warner Brothers no. snapped him up for Suicide Squad sequel. We'll take him. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, make, uh, making a sequel to an absolutely abysmal film. But it had some ideas yes. that were just done badly. But it, Suicide Squad was aping off Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Especially with its music and and pace. Yes, yes, definitely. So it's going to be interesting to see the Guardians of the Galaxy man. I mean, it's more than that. Yeah. James Gunn's fantastic. What else have we got? So what we do in the shadows. Yes. It's coming back for a TV series. Yes, with it is. Matt Berry. Indeed, indeed, indeed. A lot of great British actors, actually. I hope there's some people from New Zealand in it. Well, that's that's the thing as well. It's set in America as well, rather than... Oh, that's cool, I guess. Well, yeah, but the film was set in uh, Wellington, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. So it's 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 vampires... Wellington. Vampires in New Zealand mm. dealing with New Zealand people. And it's very funny because of yes. that. But instead now we've got British people in New York. <laughs> we'll see. It did remind me though, when this trailer came out, it reminded me about the other spin-off from what we did in the shadows. Wellington Paranormal. Do you remember anything about this? Nope. Do you remember in what we do in the shadows, the police arrive and have no idea what's going on? Yes. It's about that police. Like a de- squad in no, what's the word? A department in the police force in Wellington who do all the um, horror stuff. They go and investigate possessions and werewolves and vampires and oh, ghosts. brilliant. No, I haven't seen this. It's only been shown on a local New Zealand channel. Really? And it's kind of brilliant for that, I think. Yeah. It's um, become this secret thing, which is hard to... You don't get those anymore. Everything's so accessible. Yes, yeah, so it's, mo- so it's another mockumentary. Um, and look up the trailer, because it's really good. And hopefully it will come... Netflix or something that'd be awesome that'll do for Fortnite Schmort night I think okie dokie also Avengers Endgame will not have an intermission it was a joke everyone's talking about it it's steady dumb blah <laughs> don't worry you'll have to miss the film if you want to win anyway let's put a song on let's put on this <laughs> you have one message message one Rosie it's Sam it's your Sam we wanted to talk to you about something. When I was on that hill with Frodo, I said, Rosie Cotton, it would have been her. And now I look at you and I think, I want a divorce. You don't do the washing up. 
You don't take the kids to Hobbit school. You make me do everything. And now, I find out you've been off with the Sackville Bagginses. I hate you. I should have gone with Frodo. I should have gone with Frodo and Gandalf. I hate you. I hate you. Please, sir. What is it, boy? Please, can you sponsor us? What? You could sponsor a show on North Hearts FM that's made for the community, by the community. And let us keep making great content. We're a fledgling station, but one with over 10,000 listeners a month. And it keeps growing. And what's in it for me? Five adverts a day, sir. Plus, the world will get to see your branding at live events, online, and be proudly displayed alongside the show you choose to sponsor on all online content. Plus, on-air mentions and branding. It won't even be taken out of the shows on Listen Again, so your brand will be out there forever. Then how much is that going to cost me? Only £360 a year, sir. Or £30 a month if you just want to run adverts instead of a full sponsor. It isn't more? No, sir. Just head to northartsfm.com for more information or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. This is brilliant. Show for sale. Show for sale. Adam's nephew's film review. Lego Movie 2. Once, everything was awesome. Now... Everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy. I brought you coffee. Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh, my goshness. Did I interrupt you brooding just now? Times have changed. You need to change with them. We have to be tough and battle ready. Look, a shooting star. Make a wish. (gasps) Oh, no. so cold. Emmett, what are you doing? Hooray! See, that wasn't so bad. Nothing got in. Ah, something got in. I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your fiercest leader. Lucy! Emmett! Ah! This is all my fault. Hang on to your fronts, Planny. We're going to save Lucy. Like at first, after when the Duplo attacked, um, Lord Business went went golfing, and then there was a split thing saying five years later, and then at the end, he 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 came back and he finished golf, and he hasn't done the seventh one. So the whole film was about Lord Business playing golf. No. So what else happened? Everyone changed, and and the city was destroyed by the Duplo, and everyone changed except for Emmett, because he still drinks coffee and he still listens to Everything Is Awesome song. <laughs> that is funny. What was different about the film from the first one? Something happened upstairs and stuff. I really like the film and it's really funny.
and I like the songs. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Turn off. Lucy! Emmett, did you draw stubble dots on your face? What? No. <laughs> Are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Rob? Yep. What do you want? <clears throat> Go on, spit it out. Catherine Winnick. Mine. No, she's mine. No, she's mine. I found she's her first. Mine. Right, okay. Dating shows. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned Take Me Out. Yeah, Blind Date. Oh, Blind Date's a classic. Mm. I love Blind Date. Yeah, Scylla, bless her. National treasure. Um, How do you feel about the modern wave of dating things? I'm talking about dinner, dinner date. Dinner date. Have you seen that? No. Rubbish. Dinner date is... You seen Come Down With Me? Yeah. Okay. So dinner date is one person will go to three or four different people who will prepare dinner for them. Right. Have a dinner party thing. Yeah. Dinner date, and then they will then choose their partner by the dinner they cooked. Okay. Not on the personality, just the dinner. What? This is the weird thing. The show's built so you judge the food. But surely you're going to pick the person. Yeah. You know, if you've got a really charismatic, lovely, attractive person who's made you a rubbish meal, hmm. you're still going to pick them. But this that's the weird thing, because that's what naturally sort of happens. Yeah. And then it's almost like the show goes... <clears throat> right. Uh, and the dinner? Really? Yeah, it's really awkward. So you'll you be making making up, oh, but the chicken nuggets from the microwave were delicious. Exactly. I've never had any so good. Exactly. Or like, oh, he was really funny, but it just, who makes chips on a dinner date? That sort of thing, you know. Eh? But you liked him. Right, so why let him go? Exactly. Um, That's that's a weird one. How about Naked Attraction? Yeah, I watched a bit of this via Gogglebox and I was just... (laughs) I've actually watched... I was just disappointed. So what I watched was uh, the so a guy comes out, Starkers, mm-hmm. and has oh, a that's chat. That's the end of it. And um, so the girl goes, "Yeah, he's a really lovely guy, really nice personality. Yeah, 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 really charismatic. I like where he's coming from. He's got a nice sized penis." <laughs> <It's> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> yeah. Factor that in, I suppose. But it's just weird, man. There's no need for it. <laughs> Is that a weird thing to judge it on? Do you know what? Maybe it's a good thing because maybe a lot of people will only see nakedness via porn or their other half. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's nice to say, well, this is how everyone's different. Yeah, absolutely. And how actually most of the time people don't, well, I'll say most of the time, I haven't seen that that much. But what I have seen, they don't always go for the obvious. No, they don't, do they? No, I no, I they, no they, they don't. All, some do, but yeah. a lot of them don't. Right. Because they they might like the face. Yeah. You know, and you know, well, they're pretty. You know, they're fine. Yeah, interesting show. But then, maybe this is the point as well. I find people more attractive when they're wearing clothes. Yeah. 
So it's not yeah. even going straight for the attraction. It's like, here it is. There's no surprises. I kind of throw it into the same basket as they had a thing. I must have been Channel 4. <laughs> um, where they, some, they have a room, a soundproof room in a, a studio. Oh, room. my God. And yeah. The people go and shag in there and you can't hear them. Sex box. Anything. Sex box. And then Something they come like out and go, how was that then? You just had sex on live TV, but we couldn't hear it or see it. Oh, yeah, it was interesting. And then, you know, they're all being very, very excited about the whole concept. But then you're really thinking, why? What's (laughs) the point? What's going on? What's the other one? I remember Charlie Brooker talking about it. Uh, There was a show. It might be called like Sex Doctor or something. Is that where they get look at all the STDs and stuff? No, 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 no. Well, maybe maybe that is that. But there's a show where relationship couples who are having trouble would have someone come in and teach them how to have sex. Whoa, so you're just proper airing your dirty laundry on television. Yeah, but it'd be stuff like, I don't know, this is why this is... this. Mm. So the example in the clip I've seen, I haven't seen the show, but I've seen Charlie Brooker talking about the guy would just put it out. Right. And go, no one in. Okay. And she'd go down. Right? Right. And that was it, really. That was that was foreplay. And they're going, you can't just do that. No. You need to do this thing. And then teaching her how to do extra things. Right. And then what, that specific clip, she then tried it on him and he's going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's just awful and awkward. Do you know what? The people who go on this show, mm. I can't imagine they're paid any amount of money. I would the price tag for me to go and like <laughs> unveil myself like that would be freaking hundreds of thousands of pounds. It is, yeah. Like your entire town is going to see that stuff. Mm. Everyone you know is going to be like, "Well, I saw your knob last night, <laughs> and I saw all your sex problems." It's true. It is true. I suppose you. Not tell people you're on. Or make people proud of it. People probably are proud which of it. Which is fine, which is awesome, um, I suppose. Tell what is good, though. And you may have seen some of this from Jogglebox as well. First Dates. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. See, First Dates is good. Really heartwarming sometimes. Sometimes. It's sometimes a bit awkward. Yeah. I saw a really nice one where there's a dude... Dude. There's like a, a man who's like 90 years old or something. Or oh, yeah, years yeah, old, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm still looking for love in my life. I remember dancing in the halls with ladies. And then like an 82-year-old woman comes and he's having this really lovely chat about life and love and stuff. And that kind of warms your cockles. That This guy's... I'm sorry? Warms your cockles. Warms your nuts. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> this old man is warming my cockles. This old man he warms my came cocks. around. Pulled his chat zone. <laughs> Should we get back to it? Oh, I guess so. Is there any other dating shows? No. Right. No. <laughs> Please no. Hola, amigos. Let's go. Bueno. Bueno. Flying gorilla. And that was You're the One That I Want from the Grease soundtrack. What a film. Yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. Is that the one... Is that one of those romantic love story films that everyone knows? 
It has to be. It's so good. The songs are all so good. The characters are so good. Yeah. It's so exaggerated and funny. Yeah. And it just captures that 50s vibe magnificently. I mean, you've heard the theory that she's dead, haven't you? And that it's all her dying fantasy. Yeah. So going to this, so it's so they they were swimming at the start, weren't they, when they first met John Travolta's character and um Olivia Newton John. So she died. The theory goes that he didn't save her on the beach and that she drowned and that the whole thing is her dying fantasy. Sort of life on Mars sort of area we're talking about. And it's all revolved around the fact that at the end they, the car drives off into the sky. And is that the life support turning off or something? Maybe her going, finally letting go? I guess so, yeah. Because there's no reason for the car to drive up into the clouds at the end. Exactly. It's very odd. It is very odd, and she's going off to heaven. Just like in uh, Life on Mars, Ashes to Ashes, they go to the pub. Brilliant. But anyway, it's a love story. It's one everyone knows. I think everyone has their own story they go to when they're feeling a bit low or feeling a bit loved up. Yeah, they do. Especially the sort of Richard Curtis ones are very popular. Four Weddings, Love Actually. Absolutely. And there's this, I studied this actually at uni, there we did a unit on sort of um, the British-American connection. Okay. About how in order for British filmmakers to put bums on seats, they'll put this kind of hyper-real envision of what Americans wish all British people were like. Yes. That's so obvious in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Floppy-haired... Upper class youngsters. Yeah. They're all going to the flopping about London in the richest houses possible, running up these massive stairs, these beautiful churches. Like musical friends, very yeah. high culture. All lies. Lies, lies and lies, lies and lies. lies. Yes. But yes, it's um the Richard Curtis films, especially I mean, before Harry Potter, was that our main export? Yeah, it must have been. That and Guy Ritchie gangster movies. I found a website which details the 10 steps to making the perfect rom-com. Okay. I haven't read it. Right. I haven't prepared it. So this is going to be interesting, right? So let's go through it. So step one, casting. The rom-com audience, sadly, slightly stereotypical, tends to be women. Yes. Women. The female character has to be someone that isn't hated or isn't too glamorous. No. Some maybe a bit clumsy, um, unlucky in love frustrated in life, um, can't find themselves a man, and then maybe uh, a man comes along who is completely not right for them until they work out that they are. Yes, absolutely. So I, so it, this website throws out some examples. Amy Adams, she could be someone you meet. Yep. Um, or, or they're more glamorous, but they're really uptight. Someone like Jennifer Aniston, especially in Friends early on. And then you've got the male counterpart, someone like Ryan Reynolds, Channing Tatum, someone who tends to look good but also can be that schlubby. I mean, Ryan Reynolds in that Christmas film. Oh, uh, Just Friends. Just Friends. Oh. Yeah, but there's the, the kind of Just Friends is the bridge towards American Pie where you've got um, a male, it's for the male audience who are going yes. as well, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I can access this man's humour. Uh-huh. I can see his frustrations whilst... Your girlfriend is going to see the woman's frustrations. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, step two, title. It's going to be something basic. 
something really simple. So you hear what it is and you go, okay, I know what that is. So, examples. 27 dresses. The breakup. Maid of honour. Made in Manhattan. Yeah, so there's, it's, it's the theme is coming across. It's the basic pun. It's the basic title. It's a familiar phrase. Funnily enough, when Harry met Sally, the, um, they didn't know what to call it. Right. I think initially it was called How They Met. Yes. And they had a competition in the cast and crew to find a better title. So that represents the fact that for a good rom-com, there has to be a, a situation that is a bit out of the ordinary. Yes. Four weddings and a funeral. Love found at four weddings and also a funeral. Yeah. There's a thing going on. Groundhog Day. You keep living the same day, <laughs> but you're falling in love. Uh, step three, kooky friends. Oh, God, yes. So this is really obvious. Oh, my God. I'm, wonder, I'm starting to wonder if this article's a bit cynical. <laughs> kooky friends is in everything. You Not always everything. have someone... Well, It tends to be people either pushing or commenting on the relationship. Yeah. Or you kind of got often a friend who's a bit off the rails but has a very um, illustrious sex life. They're really enjoying themselves and having fun and they don't, don't give a damn. They're trying to infect the protagonist with their attitude. Yes. But the protagonist is having none of it. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking Bridget Jones' diary again. You've got the very quirky bunch of upper-class idiots. Yes. Actually, all of them. Four weddings as well. I had a theory. Four weddings and a funeral... Hugh Grant's mate, I can't remember his name now, if the first half of the film, no one else talks to him or looks at him, and really? I had a theory that he was his imaginary friend. Fantastic. It goes wrong later on. But for like, and if you sit, and I sat with someone who hadn't seen it before and said that to him, then you know he's not real. What? <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, for ages. Anyway, set four. Popular songs used in painfully, literally way, literal ways. Oh, that's a bit of a rubbish step. It's interesting, I but um, I mean Harry Met Sally again. Yeah, let's draw the whole thing off. Yeah, the people disagreeing, but getting together anyway. Mm. Step five: they don't like each other at first. Oh yes. Oh yes. There's always an incident that they hate each other. Spilling the coffee on a famous American actress. Oh, now this reminds me, one of the worst dates I've ever had in my life. I was a teenager, a teenage boy, on Valentine's Day, and I don't remember what the film was, but I remember the plot enough to know that I hated it and I wanted to leave. Um, It was a perfect princess girl, right, stick with me, in sort of pink and white and flowers and babies and kittens and rubbish, and she (laughs) falls for an acoustic guitar player she sees in a bar. Uh, right? Uh, and then spends the rest of the film changing him. No! And breaking him down until he becomes her perfect man. And that's all I remember, and I remember hating it so much. See, that's bad, not because she's doing that horrible thing, but it just represents women very negatively. Oh, yeah. Well, she's like a, she was like a journalist as well. She's like a high-class journalist. And he was a... Sort of, he was a skater boy. Uh, she said, "See you later, boy." This reminds me of Knocked Up. So, oh yeah, another that's a good romantic point. comedy where the thing is, two strangers they boing, yeah. and uh, she becomes Catherine Hegel becomes pregnant, and she said after the film 
she was really quite upset with the way she was portrayed with the writing because Seth Rogen really? is obviously portrayed as this really fun, bubbly guy, super likable. Yeah. Whilst her character is just moaning throughout the whole thing, and it mm. and it's not fair <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah, no. So totally. this is this is the thing. You, when they get it wrong, you do realize that portrayal is sometimes very negative of the of the sexes, and it can happen to men as well. It might be portrayed as a douchebag or whatever. But no, the men normally get off better. Even wedding crashes when they're quite, like, bad, but they're very badly behaved. Yeah. But they're still very lovable because they're funny. Ah, see, there's the other the other interesting thing, though, is Woody Allen. Right. Woody Allen films, always the same formula. Whether he's in it or not, it's a Woody Allen character. But in some of his earlier films, he's very... Um, if you look past the fact that he's the main character, he's a bit of a knob. <laughs> Creepy knob as well. Creepy knob. Yeah. I always notice that in almost every film when he gets with a generally quite young female role character, yeah. he will wa- he will walk with his hand on the back of her neck. Yes, I remember you showing me one of the... Weird. It is weird. It is weird. It's like ownership. I think Annie Hall was the one I noticed it the most. Oh, anyway, anyway. Step six. Something happens that makes the two characters drawn together. So, okay, so not up. Something quite obvious happens. Just Friends, uh, Ryan Reynolds um, is stranded at Amy Smart's his old hometown and forced into rekindling their friendship. Oh, that's slightly different because they like each other. Yeah. They already, there's already a history there. But yeah, but yes, but still, they're forced together. They're forced to interact. Step seven, they kiss in the rain. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds uh, quite specific. And yet, <laughs> it's in almost everything, isn't it? Um. So there's a lot of pictures here, guys, from the notebook and the like. Other films I can't quite identify, but there's no Spider-Man. And that's the best kiss in the rain. I mean, that's not really a rom-com. I don't care. They just need to shove it in there. Right, Toby Maguire. Step eight. They split up again. Right. Yes. Yeah. I this mean... is what I was expecting in uh, when Harry met Sally. Well, it kind of did happen. Yeah. But late squashed into a yeah a stretched out act. It, well, it, in When Harry Met Sally, it almost they, that's where the ascent happens. Yeah. Because it doesn't go well, but then from that point, it changes. Because the, the owner sort of sw- swaps character. Yeah. Anyway. But yes. So they hate each other, something happens, they split up again. Step nine. He does something crazy to prove his love. Yeah, a big speech. There's, there's everything. Uh, Playing a boombox outside the window. Crashing the sister's wedding. Banging on the glass panes. Yes. I mean, yeah. Everything. And in fact, every Richard Curtis film has someone running. Oh, yeah. Is it always him? Yeah, 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 because it happens in Love Actually. Is is there running in four weddings? I can't remember. Is he going to make it in time? Yeah. Step 10, profit. (laughs) There it is. Uh, If you've done step one till nine, you've done a rom-com. You've gone done a rom-com. Gone rom-com. Now, one genre that I enjoy is the rom com Ah, uh, but there's two. There's one which stole the crown of the first one, mm. Shaun of the Dead. What's the one that came before it? Brain Dead. Yes. Or Dead Alive, 
if you're American. Uh, but I think that even matches that, doesn't it? Shaun of the Dead casting. So you've got Simon Pegg, who's a lovable sort of everyman. Then you've got Kate Ashfield, who's not a main role, but she's in it significantly as his mostly yet girlfriend. Step two, title. Mm, I mean, it's slightly different. Shaun of the Dead, I suppose you still know what it is. Normal guy in a world of zombies. Yeah. Kooky friends. Yeah. I mean, it just says itself, (laughs) doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Step four, popular songs in painfully literal ways. Don't Stop Me Now. No, there's one more than that. Oh, what is it? Oh, in the pub. In the pub. Some random. If You Leave Me Now by Chicago. Yes. They don't like each other at first. They break up because he's useless and uh, doesn't commit. And doesn't she... even take her on holiday. They met in Greece. Yes. Step six, but then something happens. Zombies. Yes. Step seven, they kiss in the rain. There is some rain at the end. Isn't there when they come out of the pub? Or am I making that up? No, I think there is. I think there is. Do they kiss, though? Do they just hold hands? I can't remember. I suppose that's significant enough, isn't yeah. it? They split up again. Literally. Because he goes... He leaves the Winchester and gets rid of them. And then he comes back. But they kind of... No, they don't split up. They don't... Well, when he goes to save... The, to pick them up... She tells him to go away. Yeah. Does that count? I suppose. All right. Uh, step nine, he does something crazy to prove his love. He defends her from Zombie. the undead. Yeah. He leads him away, doesn't he? he? Yeah. That'll do. And then he just generally saves the day and becomes a hero. Um, step ten, profit. He did pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, they move... Um, what's the Nick Frost character called, isn't it? Ed. They move Ed back in and they have a lovely... Lovely little relationship in the in the house, not changing anything, but finding you know, though, out that that's okay. He wins, doesn't he? Because she joins his life. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. She's fine with the no, no more adventure, no more holidays and stuff. She's but they live together. With... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, well, there we are. That's you it. can apply this to anything. You have one message. Message one. Hello. It's. Hugh here, Hugh Grant. Um, I know you haven't been responding to my phone calls recently, but I need to speak to you about something quite urgent. You see, the thing is, is that I have got my hand stuck in a jar of pickles, and I can't, can't get it out at all. And I know you always had very big, strong hands, and I was hoping if you could help me and wrench the pickle jar off of my hand. I'm in a great deal of pain, and I believe I can see through the glass that my hand is starting to turn blue. I'm not sure how long I've got left. I'm also stuck under the couch because I was trying to pick up a 20 pence piece and then my leg got crushed as I was trying to unlift the couch. So I'm basically on the floor with the pickle jar stuck on my hand and I can't even reach the 20 pence piece. So if it would be quite all right, could you come over? and rescue me from my horrible, horrible situation. And I guess I would like to also say that I love you. Goodbye. Adam. Rob. What did we do this weekend? We met some actors, didn't we? Not just any actors, Adam. Our actors. Our actors, yes. They signed the contract. <laughs> they were ours now. They belong to us. Mm. Yes, it was really good. We went to London. 
Advice for anyone who's trying to make a meeting in London happen, you can't book a pub table anywhere unless you're ordering mains. So we um, we arranged to meet up in Tottenham Court Road with four lovely actors. Yes. Three of which from London. Yeah. So made sense. One from Birmingham. Yeah, near enough. Near enough, near Birmingham, who made the train journey down for us. And she actually was a godsend. Can we say their names? We've announced them on Twitter, so yeah, why not? So Isabel Albert, who's one of our actresses, she helped us go into the women's department in Primark yes. and buy women's clothes for her because we needed to buy all the costumes. Yes. And she also helped us buy all sorts of things for the other cast so we can have them look like how we envision them when we come to film. Absolutely. We, um, <laughs> yeah, even though I've worked retail, I'm very uncomfortable in some shop situations. Yeah, well, Primark in London is big and it's like... It's massive. It's a freaking labyrinth. <laughs> so, and Isabel was going off to different people to say, excuse me, where's this, where's that? Sped up the process, hmm. helped us find some stuff which was perfect. And I was really glad when it was over. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so we ended up with two massive bags of cloves. Probably which about two... very fast. Yes, paper bags in Primark. Dis- disapprove. I approve that it's biodegradable. Yeah, but it'd be nice if it was biodegradable after you got it home. That's true. <laughs> you know, if it's at all wet, you're in trouble. But yes, then we um, so afterwards, after that, we we arranged to meet up with the remaining actors since we've named Isabel. That's uh, Jodie Bennett, Blake Aiden, and Bailey Pillbeam. And yeah, we had a read through of our script, which is great. It was really fun. It helped us understand where they were coming from. How they were going to become, grow into life, the actors that you, the characters that you wrote. Well, it was nice because we'd only met Jodie and Blake at the auditions because Isabel and Bailey both uh, self-taped. So they recorded themselves doing the script and sent it into us. Um, So it was nice meeting the other two properly for the first time in the flesh anyway. But then it was nice to see everyone in a different environment where we weren't interrogating, if that makes sense. Is it weird looking into the um, life of the actor, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We mentioned before, this is our first like properly professional one with actors involved. So hearing their side of it... Strange. So they have to deal with the agents, they have to give a yeah. cut to the agents. Um, and yeah, and just seeing what it's like to be on the other side of the Mandy uh, website that we use the cast as well. Now people just go for some things and some things just go for others. Do you know what's funny as well? They have to do all sorts of stuff, actors, to earn their trade, especially when they're studying it. You need to go to the zoo. Oh my god, yeah, I forgot about that. This blew my mind. <laughs> so actors and actresses, or just actors, will go to a zoo, London Zoo, as they've said, and say, right, I need to be an ostrich. So they'll go and watch an ostrich, I assume, and then learn its mannerisms? Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? That's, that's like a joke actor thing that you make up. Yeah, they surely do. they don't do that, but they do. Um, yeah, amazing. But what was nice, what was really, as the writer of this film, it was amazing watching them read it. Yeah. And laughing at it. It was amazing. It was a dream come true. It was great. It was, it was amazing. Um, everyone's really on board. I think we've chosen the right cast, basically. We've it's... chosen the perfect cast. And they're all fantastic actors. And I'm very much looking forward to working with them. Absolutely. So we've done all the paperwork now. Yeah. So what paperwork have you done, Rob? Uh, the health and safety form, mm-hmm. um, contracts, 
Um, I made you do the information sheet. Yep, which was basically describing the film in terms of money. Uh, so the budget, what we're going to do with it. Um, what medium we're filming on. This was part of a legal thing that I did, uh, an agreement I made. Right. I had to provide the medium. Digital. Yeah, strange, isn't it? But anyway, um, so yeah, so just so everyone's informed and knows what's going on. Do you know my weirdest thing writing on the health and safety sheet? Mm. Hollowdale Media will not tolerate any drugs or alcohol during the shoot. And as I was writing that line, I was thinking, what have I become? (laughs) It's just, you know, I've spent so many staff inductions reading through paperwork and getting to that and going, shut up. Yeah, but now you know that it's all just... Templates. Oh, that's what they say. Now you've turned into. The, now yeah, you're yeah, un- yeah, yeah. transgressing, yeah. and you're turning it. You're you're already there. <laughs> Becoming these horrible. Ugh, we're it's not all, the talent. But it's to keep them safe, it, isn't it? Oh, shut up! It's to keep them safe. It is. It is. It is. That's the thing. Because we're dealing with a night shoot with people in costumes with liquids in a- the around. middle of nowhere. Um, we do have to bear in mind stuff like that. It's even to the point where we're probably going to need people just to be on set, just to help the actors move around. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. And we've had to mention things like, because it's going to be very cold when we shoot, we're going to have to be ready with blankets and stuff to warm them up when, uh, between takes. Oh yeah, you're on the uh, food run. I'm on the food run, yeah. We've got one veggie, so I'm going to make some sandwiches, going to make some soup. Oh, yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? It's weird. It's insane. Yeah, it's been. And um, here's the thing: it's been uh, hard work, but it has not been difficult. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like having a hundred one-page things. Yeah, and they're all really easy to do. It's just remembering to do them and get them in the right order. Yes. Um, well, that step and is. Uh, it's the rush for the props and the costumes, really, isn't it? Yes. Which is Josh? Josh, if you're listening. We, hurry up. we really need that really done like soon. Yeah, so can Josh, you please just hurry up. Um, can you sort it out, Josh? Josh, going to have to halt all your other projects, please. I realise you're on holiday, but just can you can you get it done? You're going to have to do it. Otherwise, we're going to have to terminate your contract. We're going to mm. immediate effect. We're going to make a contract, make you sign it, and then terminate. And then terminate it. Yeah, because yeah. To link us back into Valentine's Day, because we've gone a bit off track. I think what's nice, um, this film is essentially two couples. Yeah. So what was also quite interesting is getting people to get, having done it all in our heads, to actually get people sat next to each other and going, yeah, they'll work. Yes. And seeing some of the chemistry there as well. And we had to do things like making sure the siblings looked a bit alike. And But the, yeah, there was a... I think we nailed that. Although we might have to swap the ages round. Yeah. I think the character of Rachel was supposed to be younger, but I think actually she should be older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With her upstart younger brother. Small things like that, just from the actors when they're actually talking. Yeah, the couples have to be believable. I mean, it's not its not one like a more far-fetched romantic comedy when you've got two completely mismatched people who fall in love. I mean, it's not to say we're doing a romantic comedy, That's, but it's yes. having people matched it's, up. Yes, exactly, yes, yeah, true. But anyway, yeah, it's going well. Go, come back in two weeks when it's not and we're panicking. Yeah, because uh, we have a month. Before we shoot. Oh my god, we, we have, do. We have a month. So, <sighs> yeah. 
Adam's Film Reviews, Velvet Buzzsaw 2019. Critique is so limiting and emotionally draining. I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better, one or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. I'm quite curious to know what you think. I think sober hasn't been good for him. Pierce was in the full bloom of alcoholism here. Exactly. Never should have quit drinking. No originality. No courage. My opinion. I can't save you. I found something. Who did these? They're mesmeric. A guy upstairs, he died. And you just took them? He had no family or friends. I can make you rich. It's brilliant. Demand has people ready to kill. Have you ever heard of an artist named Ventral Deals? No, not in our records, and we have everyone. The artist used blood to create the reddish blocks. You ever notice anything about this painting? Look at it long enough. It moves. <laughs> Written and directed by Dan Gilroy, Velvet Buzzsaw is the latest watercooler film from Netflix. Inspired by the director's experience of wandering around contemporary art galleries with no other visitor in sight, Velvet Buzzsaw explores how an artist's soul is weaved in with their creations, how what they produce is far more than any cheap commodity that can be bought and sold. At least, that's the theory. Set in modern-day Los Angeles, Velvet Buzzsaw introduces us to a number of characters living and working in the art world. At the centre of this is art critic Morph, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who has begun a relationship with struggling gallery intern Josephina, played by Zor Ashton. Caught in the crosshairs of her contemptuous boss, now bear with me here, Rodoro, Rodoro? Played by Rene Rosso, Josephina is in real trouble. That is, until she chances on the body of an elderly resident in her apartment block. The man, Vetrel Dees, was an artist who never showed his work to the light of day. Leaving an instruction to destroy his art on the event of his death, Josephina is quick to lay claim to the paintings in his home. The paintings reveal a troubled childhood and struggle with mental illness and range from bizarre to, frankly, pretty horrific. When Josephine begins to share these pictures around, they're quick to gain attention and the money follows pretty quickly afterwards. Not willing to miss an opportunity, Rodoro? Rodoro offers a partnership with Josephine, and in no time at all, the Dees paintings are a sensation. But are those profiting from the old man's work destined to live happily ever after, or do they have a more sinister fate? In a tale familiar to anyone who's been up at 2am reading about the curse of the crying boy painting, Velvet Buzzsaw shows us what happens to those with more greed than sense. In no time at all, art dealers, critics, artists, they all become victims of these paintings, each one becoming a victim of the art they hate the most. But apart from the arm one, I'm not really sure what that was about. Velvet Buzzsaw has had a lot of grief from audience and critics alike. It certainly is no nightcrawler, the other film written and directed by Dan Gilroy, and nor is it a Neon Demon, a, a film that ruthlessly parodied the fashion industry. Instead, Velvet Buzzsaw is a sort of vaguely dark comedy that never really finds the punchline. Whimsical music bounces along for most of the film, with only the vague traces of horror bubbling away in the background. As a horror, there isn't enough to really thrill me, and as a comedy, there's not enough to laugh at, although there are 
a couple of good jokes. As a sardonic sideways view at the art industry, I, I guess it works. But it's not really anything to write home about. Get rid of it. Box it off. I can't save you. People thought she was part of an exhibit. We're trending on Instagram. It's a major hit. Adam. Rob. It's Valentine's Day. Is it? Right, you've gone on a date. Okay. You've said to the lady, do you want to come back to my flat and watch a movie? Okay. She says yes. I don't know why, but she does. Mm. What film do you pick which will be best used for you to do the arm move? The arm move. Yeah, the arm (sighs) round the shoulder. Yeah. And for it to be graciously accepted. It's tricky. You have to know your audience. Here's the thing. Something fun and quirky. That's almost the worst thing you could do. Because comedy is the most subjective thing in the world. And if you're the only one laughing in the room, that's bad. You put a barrier up. God forbid you put on like a stoner comedy or something. You're giggling away at something very, very dumb. And they're just thinking, what have I walked into? Or worse, if it's an intelligent comedy and they go, what is happening? I don't know what. Now I feel stupid. Yeah. I've had that actual conversation before. Really? Mm. So what you want is something simple and straightforward and something you can both enjoy. Right. For me, it's something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's very strange. Because, well, that's almost... I mean, it's, I mean, it's got comedy elements. It's comedy. It's a bit weird. But there's a murder and a drama, isn't there? And it's a bit scary at the end. Yeah. Very scary. Yeah. I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but it... Puts you in the mindset of expecting something weird to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> Not that anything weird's going to happen. So you're kind of making her comfortable with when you get the horse costume out? Yes. Okay. And Spider-Man appears. Right. <laughs> what it puts to mind is, I think it was Brainiac did this test. I think it was Brainiac. A guy goes up to a girl in a shopping centre. Right. And ask for her number. Okay. She says, no, leave me alone, you freak. Failure. If he were to do that dress as a big, like, dumb mascot, football mascot, whatever. If he if he walked up to her dressed as a banana and asked for her number, she's more likely to say yes. Oh, really? Because as soon as someone walks towards you dressed in a stupid costume, you think, oh, something's going to happen now. Something yeah. weird's going to happen. I'm going to go along with it. Right, okay. So you're, pre- you're prepping yourself. Exactly. But what is... Oh, come on, man. You're not making any sense here. What, how, apply that to the date night. So you watch a weird film. A stra- right. Not a weird film. You watch a film that's a bit quirky and strange. Okay. And you go, all right, let's let loose. Let's just watch this and see what happens. Okay. Oh, no, I see. I see what you mean. Whereas if you're watching a comedy, they don't get it. Bad. Yeah. Barriers up. Watch a smart film and they don't get it. Bad. Barriers up. You watch something different and weird. And everyone's like, all right, whatever. (laughs) Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the classic, though, almost guaranteed, and the reason why I love going to see these sort of films in the cinema, horror. 
Oh, yes. Horror. Well, it's the start of Thriller, isn't it? Michael Jackson is munching his bag of popcorn. Yeah. His date is terrified, trying to like hide from the screen in Michael Jackson's jacket. And he's like, what are you doing? Just want to eat my popcorn. Yeah, yeah. And then he turns into a wolf. <laughs> or does. a zombie. I don't know. I can't remember. Every time you go to the cinema and watch a horror, no matter how bad or good the horror is, you're almost guaranteed to see a sea of teenagers on dates. Yes. Forever, you've always seen couples at these sort of films. Oh, yeah. I remember like stuff like The Grudge and The Ring coming out, and there was just couples. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the last one I remember it being like that was um, Truth or Dare. Right. But you've got to remember, there's a limit. There's a line you cross. And that line is the hereditary line. Shut up! Because <laughs> uh, we've talked about it. Uh, there was a couple yes, watching hereditary, yes, yes, yes. and the girl walked out. And he stayed. And he stayed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... That, I wanted to walk out so much. There's no one's no one's fault, that film. Because no one would have known going in. No, so you've got... A, I, the idea is... Paranormal Activity was a big one. Oh, While it's really? in my head. But I went to see Paranormal Activity with my old housemate. And it was just a sea of couples. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because people want to be scared. People want to be scared. And the closest form of protection is the armpit of the man next to you. <laughs> or the armpit of the woman next to you, if I were to be going to see Hereditary with any girl. Indeed. Yeah. In fact, I would pay to see that. Oh, yeah. The girl <laughs> the girl would be protecting me, and then she would never see me again. <laughs> and then in your ear. No! Don't make the noise. <laughs> She'll go, ants. Oh. So, yeah, that's my idea of a, of a date movie. What about breakup movies? Ah, yes, we need to cover this. And also because there are people out there who probably hate Valentine's Day as well. Yes. Yes. Um, Probably the people listening to this show, in fact. I think it's different if you're, like, for the best part, if you're a dude or a chuck. I'm sorry? A dude or a chuck. Oh, dear. A dude or a chuck. I'm saying different words because it's Valentine's Day and I don't like it. Um, (laughs) So... What are you doing? I've lost my pen. Stupid distractors here. It's a small pen. Why have you got a small pen? I don't know. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're a guy, yes. if, from my experience, you want to be watching something where it's about male friendships and not romance. So something maybe a bit train spottingy, maybe Stand By Me. You've got four friends looking for a dead body. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about girls they fancy, but ultimately they're on a quest together. They want to succeed. You want to find a bromance so you don't think about women at all. So there's nothing to remind you of the absolute agony that you're going through. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I can and see that. I imagine if you're a girl, like obviously it's quite a, a stereotype for a girl to get a big tub of ice cream watch sex in the city so they want consolation instead well whereas guys want to forget the whole thing girls want to kind of attack their feelings and kind of delve into it and go through that pain they want to encounter that pain so they'll be watching very stereotypical yeah well i'm talking about the stereotype i don't know maybe you know because there's not enough films where a group of girls go hunting for a dead body (laughs) I mean, maybe. I mean, no. Maybe that's what we need to make—a breakup film for a woman that isn't like Sex in the City, where four girls are out camping and get attacked by a demon. Or, I mean, they exist. Yeah, but they're pornos. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Because surely, yeah, because surely 
girls are going to want to think, well, I don't want to think about men. Screw them. I've just had an awful breakup. I want to go, I just want... No, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's also the stereotype, but there are people I know who would break up with their boyfriend and then go and watch The Notebook 15 times. Oh, God, I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. The Notebook. But that's the... So they're just trying to imagine themselves with Ryan Gosling? I don't know. I don't know, but that is that, that's someone I know has, has done that. Also, um, fall back on things like Friends as well. But it's just the same thing. It's it's going into your comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, but there's an encounter with pain because there's so many Friends episodes where Ross has screwed Rachel over there on a break. Rachel's being dumped for but the someone else's time. problem though, isn't it? Yeah. When you're watching other people's... Yes, that's true. Someone else's misery. Yeah, yeah. I had a breakup when I was teenage and i went and watched eternal sunshine of the spotless mind right and that is both the worst idea and the best there's a lot of darkness in that film well it's it's essentially a relationship breaks down and he pays to have her memories erased from his head because it's too painful to carry on but then during the process realizes that he wants those memories still and it ends on a sort of hopeful thing so it's quite hard to watch and quite easy to see yourself in it. But then at the end, there's a bit of hope. Yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah. No, I've always, uh, when, I've, when I've been dumped in the past in my teenage years, I always just sought the comfort of friends. Mm. I said, let's go, you know, I'd be... I'd probably cry, and then they take me on the walk, give me some... Find a dead body. Illegally bought Stella, and then find a corpse in the woods. <laughs> and then those those nasty boys from a couple of years up in high school came and attack us. But one of us has a gun. So, oh, my God. So, you know, I can't remember. And then, and then a clown comes out of the storm drain. Yes. It's just a nightmare. Those teenage years are hard work. Yeah. Mm. I think I just watched Star Trek The Next Generation last time I had a proper big breakup. Well, that's a bunch of important men going to do a mission. There's women too. There's a counsellor who eats chocolate and cries a bit. It's so bad. Next Generation Next Generation's so bad. <laughs> Representation. She was a lady, so she liked chocolate. Yeah, oh, dear me. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you got to do. I suppose Red Dwarf is also equally good for, uh, for breakup watching. Bunch, yes. bunch of dudes chilling out in space. So are you saying that after a relationship, you just don't want to acknowledge the female For a time, species? maybe. Or maybe not. I don't know. It's been a while. I think I just played video games last time yeah. and didn't live in the real world. There's the key. Turn it off. Just turn it off. Like, like a, a light switch. switch. You have one message. Message one. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker here. Just swinging around on the broomstick looking for Mr. Big. He's gone missing again. I think I turned him into a frog. Oh well. He's off to meet my old mates in New York. Yeah. Gonna eat some cake and drink some coffee. Ah, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> anyway, have a lovely Valentine's Day and, uh, Hello to Anne Hathaway, who's turning into a witch as well. <laughs> Hopefully, some of you out there would have taken advantage of the Notting Hill 20th anniversary release at Cineworld tonight. 
Um, I mean, it's always good seeing those sort of films on the big screen because I think most people probably saw it on video. Yeah, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Notting Hill? Why would I? Because it's got Bernard Black in it. Yeah, but come on. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was too busy watching dinosaurs and sharks. You know now. I know now. Did a more. But it's too late. I don't care. (sighs) Oh, that Alita film's been out for a while now. Yes. I don't like her eyes. <laughs> What's wrong with her eyes? They're too big. There's well, no need. Isn't that the point? Make them orange instead. Make but, them have something else. Give her free normal eyes. Free human eyes. But you see, isn't she supposed to be like a pleasure robot? Wouldn't they make eyes bigger on a pleasure robot? No! People find, Why? Because people find big eyes attractive. Why? Not that big. She looks like a freaking well, yeah. moth. But it's in the future. It's in the future where people have got no, more mad. No! no. <laughs> Maybe a, a specific fetish. I don't know. I'm not kink shaming. People can like big ginormous but you know, eyes, but a, they don't need it for the whole film for her to be in it. You know, there's, a whole, there's a whole thing about this, that babies' heads are getting bigger and women's hips are getting smaller. Really? Yeah, because people find big eyes attractive. No, they don't. Therefore, their children are evolving. Huge eyes. Well, that's the thing. In a hundred years' time, maybe they will have huge eyes. Yeah, children are mental. People say people don't. People don't find hips attractive. No, no. uh, But yeah, this is weird. This is weird. But apparently, hips are getting smaller. Babies' heads are getting bigger. Isn't that making the birthing process infinitely harder? Yes. They're not doing it deliberately. It's because people, people's attractions mean, you know, oh, eventually... Wow. We're basically getting the punishment for what we've done to dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the bulldogs... The dogs are playing the long game. Yeah. We'll, we'll take the flat noses and have breathing problems for now. But just wait until you can't give birth and the head gets stuck. Yeah, children of men. Children. That's what happens in children of men. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, child's play trailer. What do you think? I don't know. There's glimpses and there's obviously shocking things happen, but shocking things happen in horror movies. There was some imagery I liked. I liked the Christmas lights wrapped up on the guy on the roof, even though I didn't really know what was going on. You've seen Child's Play 1, haven't you? The yes. original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Child's Play, the classic series, because it's fun. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's a bit weird. It's a bit crazy, but it's generally quite funny. Do you, are you worried that that looks a bit serious? Yeah. Also, Child's Play, or the Chucky series, whatever people call it, it's still going. It never ended. Yeah. The last film was only a couple of years ago. This has just then written that off. In fact, I thought they were even working on the Chucky TV series. It's quite an insult, really, isn't it? Yeah. Also, the director, writer of the whole thing never changed. No. Then the actors, Brad Dorif, who played Chucky, never changed. But did, didn't we look into, like, the director wasn't very impressed with how... Chucky looked. I don't know the new one. Oh, he's he not happy looks about terrible. It at all. Um, he doesn't recognise him. That's what it said famously. Oh, the Chucky in the new ones a robot that goes mad. Yeah, that eye roll. Uh, yeah, the saving grace from the trailer is the fact that Aubrey Plaza's in it, so we all know she's a brilliantly funny woman. But she didn't look funny in the trailer. She looked terrified. I really hope it goes the way of RoboCop. Rubbish and forgotten. <laughs> Yeah, forgotten. No, completely forgotten. No one talks about it ever again. Exactly. Yes. On the subject of horror, mm. we've got something exciting that we're going to. Uh, and we would urge other people to do the same. We're yes. going to HorrorCon. Yay! Sheffield. May. The 11th? Something like that. 
I think so. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. People come dressed up as all sorts of their, you know, their favourite weird people from films, weird, weird characters. Um, there's a contest. There's celebrities there. Yeah, yeah. The celebrities are interesting. Have you seen them? Uh, I know one of the one is a very... If you're an American Horror Story fan, Dennis O'Hare, he is a huge character in, I think, the first five seasons. Oh, is he? So if you're an American Horror Story fan, you'll be absolutely gagging to get a picture of him. Personally, I'm looking forward to Jennifer Rubin from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Why is she dressed as like a steampunk Mad Max thing? Have you not seen Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors? No, I haven't. Isn't that notoriously terrible? No, it's the best one. Is it? Well, it's the start of the new wave of it. Oh, okay. What's the really bad one? It's two, two really bad Two's one. Two's right. really terrible. Uh, three, so she's dressed like a sort of Mad Maxi punk lady. Yeah. Because she's in her own dream, and she's made herself tough to fight off Freddy. Oh, that's awesome. Dream Warriors. Okay, sweet. There's a kid who, uh, he's a wizard. He plays D&D and stuff. Oh, so in his dream, he becomes okay, a magician. Such a good concept. Uh, there you go. Okay, I need to. You wrote is, it off. We'll shove it on the next Halloween list, definitely. Yeah, really excited about that. I've been that Horicon's been on my radar for years, and I feel like now we should be starting to push ourselves into that world a bit more. So we're going to find a way to promote the movie somehow. We're not going to get a booth or anything, but maybe we'll wear a t-shirt. Yeah, or just hand them out. Yeah, get a few t-shirts, hand them out. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. There we are. That was our Valentine's Day special. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. We hope we have managed to assist you in some way on the art of Valentine's Day and romanticism in general. Have we? No. <laughs> no, I don't think we have. Uh, other shows will do that. Yeah. We're just talking nonsense. Yes. Mm. But, you know... Onwards and upwards, you've got the rest of the year now. You don't have to worry about Valentine's Day. What's next? What's the next thing on the calendar? Winter? Easter. Easter. So, wait. Incidentally, can I just say, cream eggs should oh, not rubbish. be sold before Valentine's Day. No, they should never be sold. What? They should never be sold. They're disgusting. What are you saying? They're filth. I hate them. You... They make me feel nauseous. nauseous. You are wrong no, yeah, to say yeah. that. I wouldn't even put McDonald's fries in them. I love doing that. But I know you would. Just do you would. <laughs> you probably put your cream eggs in your beef paste when you make your toast. <laughs> Last time Rob promised a paste off. I think we should do that next week. Next yeah, time. yeah, definitely. Sorry about the lack of paste off this week. We will, we will paste off. I, pr- I promise. We will have a paste off, possibly with a special guest. Yes. That remains to be confirmed. Yes. Uh, but the lovely paste of meat paste, cream paste. Yeah, go and shove it up your work. <laughs> I, as someone who's made their own cream eggs in the past, we can make a paste. Mm. Anyway. Cream eggs. Good taste enough. Mm. Anyway, follow us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter. Uh, follow North Arts FM at North Arts FM if you like the radio show. Take it easy. Have a good uh, few weeks, and we'll be back with some more movie chat. Yes. What's the theme next week? Go. Nothing. What's the theme the following week when it's the actual show? 
Movie making. No. Do- oh. Documentary making. Uh, actually working in the film industry. Just give a word. A random word. And we can choose the film from there. Actually, no. Filmmaking. Let's do filmmaking. Okay. Hmm. We can watch Ed Wood. Yeah. No, it's my choice. Don't you dare yeah, try yeah. and sneak one in. <laughs> it's my turn. All right. Disaster artist. Maybe. All right. Take it easy, guys. See you in a fortnight. Bye. That was Green Bucket with Adam and Rob. You learned about movies. Now remember your job. There was TV and games and other stuff too. And now that we've shared it, we've finished with you. Let's tell a joke. Tell me a, a romantic joke. Let's put you on the spot. Do you know the first word? The only word that came into my head then, and it's just stayed there. Yeah. Come. And <laughs> <laughs> just stopped, and then nothing else happened. Piss. Wait. We haven't finished. I need a piss. We're so close. Alright. Why do skunks celebrate Valentine's Day? Because they've got pubes. Because they're sentimental. Great, 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 great. What did cavemen give their wives on Valentine's Day? A club. Lots of Uggs and kisses. Uh-huh. <laughs> good, actually, that one. I like that one. What What do squirrels give for Valentine's Day? Nuts. Forget-me-nuts. Oh, this is a squirrel. Why did the boy put his girlfriend in jail? She stole his heart. Jeez. What did the painter say? My heart. What did the painter say to her boyfriend? I must have been to you like one of my flinch goons. I love you with all of my art. Uh, stop it! Stop I can't it. I can't be a Valentine for medical reasons. Really? Yeah, you make me sick! <laughs> That's the actual joke. That's fantastic. <laughs> what does that mean? Love sick. Surely. Yeah. Brilliant. What did one boat say to the other? <laughs> Are you up for a little romance? Uh, enough, enough. Relieve me. Relieve Do you have a me. date for Valentine's Day? I need to go for a wee and you're telling me rubbish jokes. Yes, it's February the 14th. Shut up. What do you say to your single friends on Valentine's Day? Happy Independence Day! Come back!